If you would turn to the New Testament at this time, to Acts chapter 20, we will be reading verses 17 through 38. 17 through 38. And where we are in the life of Paul is we are at the end of his third missionary journey. And so he is traveling to Jerusalem and has a stop in Miletus. And so we read in verse 17, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you everything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I command you, commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we may help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. 
and they accompanied him to the ship. That concludes the reading. And so Paul had just finished his time on this third missionary journey, starting by going back to Galatia. Most likely he had stopped by Derby, Iconium, and Lystra, or some of the congregations that were started by these churches. And then he went to Ephesus and stayed almost three years there. And after he was in Ephesus and he had had some trouble there, he had gone to Macedonia and stopped at Philippi, maybe Berea, Thessalonica. He went to Corinth, that was in Achaia. And now he was going back to Jerusalem. He wanted to be there by Pentecost. And so he was about 40 miles away from Ephesus, and he realized that he was not going to have enough time to go to Ephesus and talk to the elders and the people there and then make his way to Jerusalem in time for the Pentecost. So he called the Ephesian elders to come to him. And we heard a sermon. This is a sermon he preached to those Ephesian elders and everyone else who came along with them. And it is what we would call a farewell address, his goodbye sermon. In fact, Paul thought that he might be put to get death in Jerusalem. And so what we are, have heard was what was on Paul's heart. He was going to tell these Ephesian elders some last instructions some things he wanted to let them know. He shows that he loved these people. He cared for them. And so today, we want to talk about what did Paul say to these Ephesian elders? And how did he use this farewell to begin to say goodbye and to transfer his eldership, his apostleship, to these Ephesian elders. And today we're going to look at how he recounted, how he conducted his ministry in Ephesus. Another time we will talk about what he thought about his future and what gospel message he included here and the instructions he gave to the elders in Ephesus and how he commended them to God. And so we're going to look at how did Paul describe his ministry to the Ephesians. Today we'll talk about six characteristics of his ministry that Paul wanted to, his, the Ephesians to know. And the first one is that Paul knew his audience. He must have known each of the elders that was standing or sitting in front of him and he knew each one intimately. Most likely he had been involved with them in some way. Perhaps he was involved with their conversion. Perhaps he was involved with them when they had questions about salvation or about the Christian life. But each single elder who sat there, Paul was involved with. And if he speaks to them in such a way that he shares experiences with them, He's talking about the joys that he had working with them and about some of the trials. He's talking to them as an insider. 
And you know that if you're an insider to your family, you have certain family things that you can talk about that no one else is going to understand except for your family because you've gone through the same things together. We hear Paul saying that you yourselves know how I lived among you in verse 18. Or he says, I know that none of you in verse 25. In verse 34, he says, You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities. These were things that his audience would know. They would think about this. They would say, Paul, you know what we know. And this was something that Paul knew his audience. There's, Paul is saying, you know what I am like. You know what I did. You know how I acted. They knew what he had for breakfast, most likely, and what he liked for dinner. All those things these people knew about Paul. But Paul wanted to prepare them for life after Paul. He was leaving them. He was transferring to them the knowledge that he had had. And there are times even when we need to prepare others for going off on their own. Some of you may remember this happening to you. You left your parents' home, and your parents gave you some instructions when you left their home. They gave you instructions about life. They told you what you need to keep an eye out for. That's what Paul is doing to the elders in the Ephesians. You may be in that position yourself, where you have somebody that you are leaving a job and you have to give instructions for the people who are taking over your job. Or you have, you have a child leaving your home. You're going to give instructions to that child as they leave their home. Watch out for this. I know you're like this, so be careful. And so on. That is what Paul is doing. And Paul told them what he was worried about. Paul told them what the important things that he had taught them. He reviewed very quickly what these things were. Paul knew his audience. But secondly, Paul immediately emphasizes that he served the Lord with humility in verse 19. And you might be thinking to yourself, humble people usually don't tell you that they're humble. Why is Paul emphasizing that he is humble? But Paul wasn't talking about his humility before the Ephesian elders. He was talking about his humility in serving the Lord. He had served the Lord by showing his complete trust in God by preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. He had served the Lord by establishing a practice of worshiping God. He had worshiped God in spite of where he had lived. He had been surrounded by idols and idol worshipers, and he still went and worshiped God every Sabbath day. He still went and talked about Lord Jesus each time he was able. He worshiped God, and he was there showing them what it was to be servant of God by showing that what a holy life was all about. And he taught 
all who would listen about God's standards for living a holy life. He taught about righteousness, right and wrong. He taught about Christ's death on the cross, we read. And we've mentioned this several times in Galatians, where Paul says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul was all about talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul emphasizes his position before Jesus Christ as a prisoner. He was humble. He felt himself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't mention it here, but he mentions this in several other passages. We read in Ephesians, he, when he wrote the book of Ephesians, he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus, Christ Jesus. And when he wrote Philemon, he writes this way, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on with his letter. And he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Does anyone here want to be in prison? I don't think so. Prison is not a good place to be, but Paul considered himself a prisoner, a slave, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was happy about it. And why was he happy? Because he had humbled himself before Christ and he pledged to serve him all of his life. And he was a servant, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. For those Christians who are here, do you remember what it was like to humble yourselves before God? Do you consider yourselves a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ? Has Paul considered himself a prisoner? Are you a servant, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you are, you're not going to want to escape this prison. This prison is the most delightful place to be. And the person in charge of the prison, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the most wonderful prison keeper that you could have. And so Paul had humbled himself so much that he considered himself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul points out to the Ephesians that he served the Lord with tears, as we read in verse 19. And we read this, he served the Lord with all humility and with tears. And then later on in our passage, we read in verse 31, for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Now what would bring tears to Paul's eyes? He wrote to the Corinthians at one point, I write to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to know of the abundant love I have for you. Paul was motivated by love. 
And he had tears for the Ephesians. He could see the effect of sin in people's lives. He could see the effect of sin throughout the community of Ephesus. And it broke his heart to see how much these Ephesians needed the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul felt Satan assaulting him. He saw that Satan used every single circumstance to prevent him from preaching and teaching. And so he knew that Satan was against him, and he felt tears, wounds that were given to him by Satan. Paul was persecuted for preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. People assaulted him verbally, physically. These hurt. Paul had tears. And Paul must have been particularly hurt and heartbroken when a convert came to him confessing their sin, that they had fallen in sin again. And Paul would have cried with the brokenhearted, and he would have reminded them that God is merciful. God is the one who forgives sin. And he would have reminded this new convert that God will work with him to overcome the sins that were in their lives. And all of us can think of times when our own sins have caused us to shed tears. We were so embarrassed. When we think about it, we acted miserably. Brings us to tears. Or you may have tears because a member of your family has just fallen into a life of sin or a friend of yours who you thought was a very nice person isn't very nice at all. They have followed a sinful lifestyle. You can take your tears to God. We read in the Psalms, and most likely Paul was thinking about this, the psalmist in Psalm 56, verse 8, says, You have kept count of my tossings, you, which meant I've been in bed tossing back and forth up at night with tears. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Paul remembers this, and we know that God can be trusted with our tears. He will be the one who comforts us in times of sadness. And Paul reminded the Ephesians that he had tears for them. He loved them so much that he was tearful when they fell into sin. He used tears when he told them what Jesus Christ had done for them, how he had died on the cross because of their particular sins. The Ephesian elders had seen his tears. Maybe they had cried with the Apostle Paul. They knew why Paul had been led to tears. They had seen the agonies, and they had shared with his sorrow. And then Paul mentions trials. 
trials due to the plots of the Jews. And the Jews must have tried every way to counteract what Paul was doing. They might have tried to ruin his business. They might have put obstacles in his way. They might have verbally assaulted him. They tried to plot against him. We don't know of all those plots, but Paul said, you do, you Ephesian elders. And yet, I was able to teach in your presence for almost three years. But then Paul turns and he says to the elders, you know what? I preached and taught anything that was useful for you. And what do we mean by useful? Paul says, I taught you everything that was useful. Well, first of all, he taught the whole gospel. He told them everything they needed to know to live a Christian life. And Paul did not trim down the gospel to make it palatable to the Ephesians. Paul said, I told you everything you needed to know in order to be saved. But Paul didn't dump the whole theology on them at one time. He gave them enough information that they knew who God was, that they knew that they had sinned against God, that they needed a reconciliation with God. And then Paul was able to tell about the Lord Jesus Christ who had died for their sin and what it meant to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul fed them with milk and then with solid food when they were ready for it, as he told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2. Paul instructed them thoroughly. He instructed them perfectly. Paul didn't omit anything. Paul didn't keep any secrets from the Ephesians. He didn't say, well, once you get to a certain point in your Christian life, I'll tell you some more, some secrets to living a really good Christian life. No secrets with Paul. He told them everything. He told them about the Holy Spirit. So he taught the whole gospel, but he taught everywhere. We read that he taught daily in the school of Tyrannus. And anyone who wanted to come could come and hear Paul or just listen to Paul or ask Paul questions. Paul was ready in the school to do and teach whatever he wanted. But Paul also taught in houses. You could invite Paul over to teach you privately or you could invite Paul over for dinner. But I can tell you what the topic was in each of these houses. The topic was the Lord Jesus Christ and how Jesus Christ would save them from their sins if they had faith in what he did for you. And Paul taught everyone. Paul says he taught both Jews and Greeks. But we read elsewhere, Paul says, I taught Jews, I taught Greeks. I taught men, I taught women. I taught slaves, I taught free men. And we might want to add, he taught old people, he taught young people. Paul wasn't fussy who he taught. As long as you were a person, 
Paul would tell you about the gospel. I think he taught children, young children, about the gospel. And most importantly, Paul taught about turning to God in repentance and having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that the heart of the gospel? When one talks about the gospel, we need to talk about God. And we, like Paul, have to point out to people that there is a God. And once we have established that they believe in God, we need to talk about their relationship with God and how their relationship is broken. And you know as well as I do that there are many people out there who do not even believe in God or their God is different than our God. This is the hardest part of any time that we witness. But God did something wonderful for Paul. In Ephesus, many people were prepared to hear about God. And we really need to pray that God would prepare people for us to talk to about God. Because if you cannot agree that there is a God, you do not have a discussion about what it is that you believe. And we should pray that God would give us opportunities to talk to people who are prepared to talk about God. And so Paul was willing to talk about repentance and faith and God to anyone, anywhere, at any time. Paul was available. And you might ask, why was Paul so motivated to talk about Jesus all the time to anyone everywhere? And we read in Acts 20, verse 26, a very interesting passage. It says, Therefore, I testify to you this day, that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What are you talking about, Paul? You might be thinking. Innocent of the blood of all? I didn't think you were a violent man. You might have been before you were a Christian, but I don't think you are now. What Paul is doing is he's referring his audience back to the Old Testament to the prophet Ezekiel. And we read in Ezekiel 33 a story. And God spoke to Ezekiel. And in this passage he says, Ezekiel, you are like you are like a watchman. You are like the town watchman. And here's your job. You're to find a place on the wall or in a watchtower. And you're to look all around and make sure that no enemy is approaching this town. And when an enemy approaches town, here is a trumpet. And you blow the trumpet. This is a vision that Ezekiel's having. And so Ezekiel was in this place and He's to blow the trumpet. Some of you may remember air raid drills. That was like a trumpet. 
and you knew what you needed to do. Or I'm from the Midwest, you heard a siren, and you knew there was a possibility of a, of a tornado, so you went to your basement. Well, if the citizens of that city heard the trumpet, they were to prepare for a battle. Close the city gates, get their bows and arrows out, their spears, protect their family and their things. But that wasn't the point of this story. Here's the point of the story. Ezekiel tells us, if you blow the trumpet, and the citizens fail to take action, they have only themselves to blame if they are destroyed. The watchmen, you Ezekiel, are innocent. However, if an enemy is approaching and the watchman fails to blow the trumpet and the enemy attacks the town and the town's destroyed, who will God hold responsible? The watchman. And Paul is saying he considers himself a watchman. And so he is saying to his audience, the Ephesian elders, I have been blowing that trumpet loud. I have been blowing that trumpet long. Every one of you must have heard the trumpet. No one's blood is considered the fault of me. If you didn't listen to that trumpet and respond appropriately, your blood is on you. That's what Paul is saying. He preached about the judgment of God. He preached about the need for repentance of sins. He taught how one is saved through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to ask ourselves a question. Have we blown any trumpets lately? Do our associates know that we are even a Christian? Have we told them what it means to be a Christian? Now, we don't blow a trumpet at every car that goes by our house, or we take a trumpet along to the grocery store and blow it every time we pass somebody in the aisle. But there are people that know us, that are within our circle, so to speak. We associate with them in some way that we need to have blown the trumpet at some point so that they can respond either positively or negatively. But at least we have blown the trumpet. And Paul said, I am a faithful witness. So Paul was not a perfect man. Paul was a very good man. And he was able to teach the Ephesians by conducting a very good life. His daily walk was an example to them. And so let's pray that our lives can be used as examples to others.